You are now tuned in to Challenge Radio. Our fight. Progressive Labor Party fights to destroy capitalism and the dictatorship of the capitalist class. We organize workers, soldiers, and youth into a revolutionary movement for communism. Turkey's crisis at the crossroads of imperialist superpowers. Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan hotly contested re-election highlights, the country's international crisis, and its unstable position between imperialist superpowers. Erdogan's victory signifies a shift away from liberal democracy towards fascistic consolidation by Turkey's ruling class. With Erdogan's U.S.-backed opponent, Kemal Kilik Darlaglu, Failing in the runoff, it also reflects waning U.S. influence in the critical geopolitical region. Runaway inflation up to 84% last October, two devastating earthquakes, and a ballooning migrant crisis have put the Turkish economy on the brink of collapse. To contain workers' anger, the Turkish capitalist bosses are using Erdogan now entering his third decade in power to impose tighter control over the media, the judiciary, and a mostly powerless Turkish parliament. Since surviving a 2016 coup attempt, Erdogan has seized more executive power, sidelined political opponents, purged large sections of the government and military, and arrested hundreds of protesters. The struggles facing the working class in Turkey are a sobering reminder of the limitations and illusions of capitalist elections. The Progressive Labor Party is working to build communist working class consciousness that rejects the dead end of electoral politics. By organizing and mobilizing the working class, we can build a revolutionary movement that smashes capitalism and builds a society to serve the needs of the international working class. Liberals are the main danger. Opposition candidate Kemal Kalik Daralu and his Republican People's Party painted themselves as champions of social reforms the liberal alternative to the authoritarian Erdogan and his ultra-nationalist Justice and Development Party. But in a desperate move to defeat the incumbent, Kelik Darlalu won the endorsement of the gutter racist third-party candidate Umit Ozdag by promising to kick out millions of Syrian refugees. Kilik Darlalu charged that Erdogan had failed to protect Turkey's honor or borders. Both Kilik Darlalu and Erdogan accused the other of colluding with terrorists, which translate to a push for more racist oppression of the Kurdish workers. In the recent years, more workers in Turkey have been misled by these divisive racist appeals. 
Under the ruthless profit system, a society that creates a handful of winners and masses of losers, a lack of revolutionary class consciousness makes the working class vulnerable to racist and fascist ideas. In a volatile period with surging economic insecurity, liberal racists and open racists alike aim to exploit the frustrations of the working class and channel their justifiable rage into scapegoating other workers. The liberals are especially dangerous in diverting class struggle away from the communist fight for state power and back to the straitjacket of voting. Trapped in the middle. A critical bridge between Europe and Asia, Turkey, under Erdogan, is struggling to balance its own nationalist ambitions with the competing imperialists in Russia and the U.S. The country has positioned itself as a major player in the region surrounding the Mediterranean and the Black Seas. It has recently pivoted towards Russia for military support and has engaged in negotiations to become a hub for a Russian gas pipeline. But with its economy in shambles, Turkey will need more financial help from the U.S. and the European Union or whoever else is willing to sign a big check. After claiming neutrality in the war in Ukraine and acting to block Sweden from joining NATO, Erdogan may need more concessions to get loans from the World Bank and prop up Turkey's collapsing economy. To get financing from the International Monetary Fund, he will need to raise interest rates to impose austerity measures that will impoverish and starve millions. As the big powers lurch towards the next world war, workers in Turkey seem likely to be trapped in the middle. Fight for Communism The plight of the workers in Turkey cries out for more than mere reforms or empty promises by the rulers' politicians. Workers need a revolutionary communist movement that exposes the root causes of workers' economic, political, and social struggles and that builds international class solidarity. Workers need an organization that fights for a society free from imperialist exploitation, racism, and sexism by uniting under revolutionary communist progressive labor party. Workers in Turkey can pave the way for genuine liberation and a brighter future for all. Join us as we organize the international communist movement. The candidates come and the candidates go and we all sound the same. I'm Eenie. I'm Meenie. I'm Meenie. I'm Mo. We all sound the same. We're having another election this year. We're hiring the hall and we're pouring the beer. We'll tell you precisely what you long to hear. And we all sound the same. We're there every time you turn on your TV and we all sound All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for the first episode of the official Progressive Labor Party podcast, Challenge Radio. 
Today we'll be discussing the most recent editorial and challenge on the election in Turkey, and I'm joined by a couple of comrades from the party to discuss it, so here we go. Did anyone have an immediate reaction to this article? So initially with this uh, editorial on Turkey, I had this thought that it's really important for workers to understand the electoral system and how it's just a, a sham, almost a trap for the average worker to fall into because it takes away this power that workers feel that they have under any type of liberal democracy. It is important to point out that even if a worker was to elect someone in power who may be of the same color, race, or culture as them and think that something is going to change, the proof is in the pudding that it won't. The exploitation will continue. The fascist attacks will continue. Infrastructure will still continue to crumble. The money will eventually disappear. So with communist leadership, like at the end of the editorial, it states that it would get rid of all of these things that trap all these workers into this box and break away from the chains and actually fight for something that will free every single worker around the entire world. That's why communism is so important. Uh, so it's it's not too shocking that money that was supposed to be used to help people in this earthquake, which 50,000 people died in, over 50,000 people, and over 14 million people were actually affected by. Of the money that was supposed to be spent for, for the, the workers, uh, it all ended up going to developers, you know, construction moguls, which isn't too surprising. Uh -huh. It shows how the state works for the capitalist class and not us. And one thing that, that's very important to recognize is how, you know, when a natural disaster happens, it's not just the disaster in and of itself. It's how it's handled. You know, natural disasters happen all the time. We, as humans with technology, uh, can coordinate to help our fellow worker. The reason that often, you know, it gets botched and, you know, thousands or millions of people die from the, these natural disasters is because the capitalist isn't willing to build infrastructure to help the worker. Yeah, it's the profit motive over putting our energies together to help the working class. And it gets even worse as the crisis of capitalism develops. Graft becomes more and more important to keeping capital afloat. So they're not even making things, they're just sort of handing each other money. Uh, so an interesting part about this is uh, many people saw the election as a proxy between U.S. and Russia vying for power with Erdogan siding a little bit more with Russia and the challenger Kiladaroglu representing more U.S. interests. You know, famously, Turkey has been of the NATO allied countries. Turkey has been the one that has been um, the most neutral on Ukraine. So what does this election say about uh, the, inter the state of the interpolarist rivalry between Russia and the United States and also the United States' relative power in the world? Well, I, I think you see this uh, dichotomy in each, each country. Uh, in a lot of places in Africa and, and South America, there's a constant debate. Are we going to side with Russia or China? Or are we going to side with U.S. and their uh, 
you know, bosses, you know, it shows that we're getting closer to world war. That's what I would say. You know, you, you see that the coup in 20, not the coup, the attempted coup in 2016 in Turkey, you know, Erdogan is not uh, going to pull any punches. Like he's not going to let somebody just take power. Uh, you know, him and his cronies are, are going to try to maintain their own profit enterprises. You know, Turkey's in a very unique situation to try to carve out its own uh, little empire independent of, you know, the Russians and independent of the West. You know, we see in Libya, they even sided with a specific faction there. So in a lot of ways, I think Turkey's kind of a wild card. Yeah, you might think it would be easy for the United States to force a NATO ally to, for instance, allow Sweden into NATO. Um, and instead, it seems that Biden's going to have to bribe them with fighter jets in order to get them to go with the program. So I think it's definitely a sign that the the hold that the U.S. has had on the world for so long is slipping. Um, and that that is a sign that things are coming to a world war and that the crisis of capitalism in the United States is also getting bad enough that they're not able to just throw money at this thing or just say, you don't have any other options but to work with us. So you have to do what we want politically internally. They have other places to look to like Russia and China. So I'm thinking with uh, Turkey in mind, since they're this place that's in the middle between uh, Europe and Asia, they are somewhat in a similar situation like Ukraine, but without the missiles being blown up everywhere. Since Turkey is trying to build his empire, like you said, they would need to figure out a way to either lean on the U.S. more for financial backing or try to become a muse of Russia and then pick a side of supporting the war or, you know, being this flashpoint for a possible World War III if they don't pick a side. One thing I wanted to say was that a lot of like political analysts might t tell you, oh, well, you know, of course, Turkey's going to be more on the Western side uh, because there's a history of the ruling class of Turkey and Russia fighting one another. In reality, that's you know, meaningless. I mean, you know, there that history is meaningful, but you know, the, the the bourgeois of every country is constantly shifting alliances. You know, so you can't just look to the history of like, oh, uh, there's hundreds and hundreds of years of Turkey and and Russia fighting one another. That could change on a dime because it's, it's what's convenient at that time. I think that's that's important. It's it's. You know what what maximizes profit and what is, what is the most you know advantageous geopolitically, which ultimately maximizes profit at a given time. Um, yeah, and, and I think they might also be tempted to tell you that the if the Liberal Party was in power, one it would be better for the working class, and two they'd be more aligned with the United States because obviously liberals would prefer the United States. Um, when in fact, I mean, it's true that Aragon has been extremely repressive to workers using violence to put down protests, but it's equally true that any liberal who got in would also resort to violence to keep the workers 
pacified. Um, and that brings me to my next question, which is, um, I think it's very interesting that the liberals were the ones who really leaned on racism and nationalism in this election. What are we to make of the liberals participating in raising this sort of fascist talking point? Well, I mean, they do it everywhere. You know, it's some of them, a lot of them are overt racists, but you also have um, here in America, you had all the, the rhetoric in the 90s by the Clintons, for instance, who, you know, were, were liberals. What did they call them? Uh, super predators? I mean, it's pretty, pretty disgusting stuff, you know. Uh, these people obviously have animosity towards their fellow worker and, and, and black people. Um, it's beyond just political convenience, but like, you know, a lot of it is political convenience. Uh, you know, a lot of liberals here are very racist, but right now they, they are like uh, using identity politics and even tokenizing people to try to get ahead. You know, I think it's important to recognize that you know, whether we're talking about um, the move bombing in Philadelphia, that was which was carried out by the Democrats, or the um, all of the hard on crime rhetoric that Democrats uh, said, or the this recent um, election where xenophobia was weaponized against minorities in Turkey. They're no friend of the working class and they're no friend of, of racial minorities, you know? Yeah, I think it's important to, to notice that, like, the economics of the situation are putting the liberals into a, a position where they can only really rely on fascist talking points. They can't do their favorite move would be to do some sort of counter revolutionary reform, promise money and social services to buy off the workers. But their only real options in Turkey are increased inflation and austerity right so they can't do any kind of progressive program and obviously they're not going to do a communist program so they're the only way that win votes is to tail the fascist talking points of erdogan and i think that's partly what's happening here in the united states and a lot of places that uh, the liberals really don't have an answer to the challenges that are rising because the crisis of capitalism is so developed now they don't have the money that they used to have they have to tighten um, their attack on the working class. And so they have to resort to these sorts of talking points. And that's just going to do what they've always done, which is help participate in the rise of fascism. I did want to ask, um, just for the workers, what would we define a liberal as? I would say a liberal is somebody who is ultimately a capitalist, of course, but also champions certain values that came from the enlightenment um such as the free market you know like an abstract equality they don't actually carry that out and they're against that but like at least equality within the law not equality like actually trying to remedy s systemic uh inequality in the society but just equality, at least under the law. What else should I say? You know, th they focus on, you know, separation of powers and and checks and balances and stuff like that, which is really just a glorification of bureaucracy. You know, it's 
it's really just like how the capitalist thinks the world should rule under ideal circumstances. And they have a lot of high-minded values, but they don't actually get actualized. The reason why we sometimes use the term liberal fascist is because ultimately a lot of these liberals will do very fascist things. Like Plan Colombia, you know, uh, Biden was involved in creating policy that actively funded, you know, fascist thugs in Colombia, uh, you know, murderers who, you know, attacked trade unionists and, and, and communists, uh, you know, like killing people in really horrendous ways. Or like Tony Blair carrying out the Iraq war on the British end. Or, you know, the, the Labour Party in Australia carried out the whites-only immigration policy. You know, I every major war, the liberals have always supported it. They, they're not a friend of, of, of the worker, and they're actively suppressing them um, in the most heinous, hideous ways you could think of. And not in just, it's also very creative. They're constantly thinking about it, you know. It's just the liberal at least smiles at you while they're, they're, they're stabbing you. And they will give a somewhat half-baked explanation that dates back to uh, the late 1700s, early 1800s. That's what I would say. Liberal, from my take, is... A person who has this pedestal where they want to present as a revolutionary character. Let's say, for instance, Ras Baraka and Nort, who also uses liberal politics through um, identity politics, like his race, meaning he's Black, so now all of the black population may feel connected to him and want to vote for him electorally. But then since he uses rhetoric of like, he's for the working class, for the working people, trying to make all of his people rise. He's also using tactics of cult of personality, using tactics to pull sheep's clothing on the wolf. So for example, in the case of Ras Baraka, most of his family comes from a political communist background, but again, communist is in quotations because it's not like he, him or his family is on our side, you know, fighting with the people so he's actually, he as in Ras Baraka is actually, you know, increasing fascistic attacks against, you know, black workers within all of the cities, black, Latin, Asian, increasing police presence, increasing incarcerations, stop and frisk. I remember there was a documentary uh, during the 2020 when they were doing the lockdowns for COVID how many black neighborhoods were being over-policed and incarceration rates went up, including, you know, black murders and uh, police brutality. That's when George Floyd happened. So, yeah, it just gets worse from there. Yeah, I think one important thing about liberals is they understand very well that there's a struggle between 
the ruling class and the workers, and they want to sell the lie to the workers that the capitalist state is there to make it fair, that there's justice that can be handed out, that things can be redistributed fairly, that there's sort of a watchdog when really the capitalist state is only there, like Mark said, to manage the affairs of the bourgeoisie. They're there to make sure that the system runs well for the ruling class, the, the capitalist class, um, and if required, can step in and pass some sort of anti-revolutionary reform to make the system continue to run. Um, and, I, you know, that's a very dangerous idea because at, when the funds run out, the liberals will turn to repression, just like the fascists will. Ultimately, they believe that it's perfectly fine for wealthy people to run society, for society to run on a profit motive. And uh, that the distribution of wealth is fair. They just uh, they want you to believe that they can keep it from getting out of control. In fact, um, often fascists and these uh, liberals work together overtly. And one of the fam- most famous and well-known incidents of that is the SPD. They paid and worked with the Fry Corps to kill Rosa Luxemburg um, and communists. And the, They'll always do that, you know, because the most important component of capitalist society is bourgeois rule for profit, you know, and so they can't let let us communists get in the way. There's too much of a danger. I One last thing I'll say, when I think of a, a liberal, I think of them say, talking about like abstract uh, rights, like freedom of speech. But what does it mean to have like the freedom of speech if you don't own the media? If you own the media, I, I think freedom of speech means a lot, you know, because it's freedom to control the press. But if you don't, then it's pretty meaningless. Yeah, true. And they, they for a long time, the liberal judges on the Supreme Court for a long time have agreed that speech equals money. And so they're mm. per- perfectly happy to allow money in uh, political campaigns as, as an unlimited type of speech which obviously gives a huge increase in power to people with money to spend. All right. Any last comments on this editorial? We need to reiterate that we need a revolution. Um, We need an international revolution and we need it in America just as much as we need it in Turkey. Well, I think um, in closing, I want to say that the challenge is very important in order to spread not only communist ideas, but I want to say the news of workers' struggle around the entire world and what it means to actually fight back against the liberal democracy that we live under or uh, in a fascist country where bombs are being dropped or just being at work and having a boss, you know, crack a whip on your back because you're not doing xyz just to make them profits so i think it's important to continue to read continue to understand different cultures and different political climates around the entire world and workers need to be exposed to not only the challenge the editorial but also communism that's going to be our way to the future well said. Uh, Progressive Labor Party stands with the workers of Turkey and their struggle to uh, throw off the chains of both the fascist Erdogan regime and the 
U.S. imperialist-backed liberals. Communism is the only solution. So good luck to you all, and we support you. Have you seen the latest challenge put out by PLP? Fight back, Wildcat, read all about it. Get your challenge here. Challenge the communist paper. That's right, the communist paper. Fight back, Wildcat, read all about it. Get your challenge here. Get your chance.